The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome in to Stacking the Box podcast with Matt Verderam and Sterling Holmes. I am Sterling Holmes. Verderam, how are you? I am good. Uh, I am I am happy to be into November now. Halloween was great last night. Uh, took the uh, took the kids around and they got more candy than they could have possibly <laughs> expected. Um, which is great for me because the one is, is only seven months old, so I, I got to take all the candy. Um, so it's a, it's a big win. It's a big parent tax day, uh, really collected. Uh, but look, more importantly, we have a very special guest to bring in right at the top of the show this week, the Hall of Famer, a man who needs no introduction, a Heisman Trophy winner as well, Tim Brown from the Los Angeles and Oakland Raiders. Uh, Tim, how are you doing today? Thanks for being here. Hey, I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Good, good. I, I wanted to just ask you right off the top. This season has felt so unique in the sense that there are three teams that have been really, really good, and there have been 29 teams that have ranged from really average to really bad. Yeah. Do you have any theory as to why the league on the whole has been so mediocre this season? Look, I, I really believe, man, when you don't – practice the way we practice back in the day and you know training camp is is really a walk in the park for these guys now they don't play in any preseason games you know so you're really leaving everything to chance the first couple of weeks then you get a couple of injuries here you get a couple of injuries there you know I mean the Raiders haven't had their guys together uh, but I think a game and a half all year you know so it's, it becomes really impossible, man. All these great plans you had in the offseason are all gone by the wayside because you got guys out and, and you haven't played together. So it's I think the majority of it has to do with that. You know, I mean, I, you can't get ready for this game unless you play this game. And uh, why these guys don't play? I know why they don't play. It's the money. They don't want anybody to get hurt. But guys are going to get hurt no matter what. And we're, I think we're seeing a lot of that. We're starting to see, at least in my opinion, a lot of rookie wide receivers make an immediate impact. I don't know if this is a new trend or if this has always been going on, but it does feel like rookie wide receivers, they're starting to get ready game one, day one for the NFL grind. Is this a new trend that you've noticed as well? Or is it just they're getting more of an opportunity early on? Well, you know, I think when you look at, it's all about the 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 right the route patterns, right? The you know the what what they what they're doing on the field, and when you when you have guys who are running down the field catching balls, 
you're not really asking them to do that much, right? You know, I think it's when you have them working uh, in detail with the offense, when they have to, you know, uh, come in motion and then check this and do this, that's when it gets a little difficult. But I think what they're doing, <coughs> excuse me, what they're doing with most of these uh, these uh, these rookie receivers, you know, they, hey, look, you run that field, catch the ball, we're going to throw you the ball, right? And uh, so I think that's making it a lot easier for these guys to come in and make plays. And, uh, and you know, rightfully so, right? I mean, all, the defenses are, are spread out because you got four receivers on the field. You know what I mean? So it, you don't have to worry about double coverage and, and all this and all the cover two, cover two man, all this stuff. It, that's not what they're doing these days. So so it makes it a lot easier for these guys to really figure out what, what they need to do, where they need to be, and uh, and go up and catch the ball, right? That's what you get paid to do. What do you think of your Raiders? You mentioned them with the two and five, obviously disappointing in terms of their overall win-loss record. First year head coach in McDaniels. Um, you mentioned also they do have injuries. You know, Waller's been in and out of the lineup. Same thing with Renfro. Uh, but it has not come together the way they've expected it to. Uh, beyond the injuries, what are you seeing that that you think is is the chief concern right now for, for Vegas? Well, you know, it's hard to say when you're not on the inside, man, but, you know, I don't know if you guys saw my tweet on Sunday during the game. I, I, I literally could watch the second half of the game. I, I, I don't remember the last time I walked away from a Raiders game, uh, not watching, not wanting to see the rest of it. But, I mean, it was just something really off, man. And I just put a one-line tweet out there and said, you know, all I can say is something ain't right. You know what I mean? And, you know, and there's something going on. And I, I, I'm not going to speculate on what that is, but you don't play the way they played in the fourth quarter of the of the Texans game the week before and come back and lay an egg like that, um, you, know, you know, get shut out. That 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 doesn't happen. It doesn't happen unless something is is going on. And and I, I hope I'm wrong about that. But man, I, I've I've had too many of those experiences to know that it seems to me that there's something is not right. And, uh, and they need to get it fixed pretty quickly. Well, let me ask you to follow up on that. In your experience, when that's happened and you were a player, was it usually the coaching? Was it usually a chemistry issue? Was it usually a quarterback issue? Like, what was it for you when you were uh, a player? Yeah, it could, it could have been any one of those things, brother. And that's why I don't really want to speculate because, you know, I mean, we've had situations where our coach was out of control. We've had situations where our quarterback, we had situations where – there was a big fight in the locker room the, the, you know, during the week that nobody really knew about. I mean, I mean, there, there's been all kinds of things that, that can cause, you know, a team to go out and just really be disjointed the way they were. Um, so, you know, look, they, they have some veteran guys on that team. You guys have, you got guys like Max who, Matt Max, who's really trying to be a leader of that team. And I know they, they're going to fight for it, but um, you know, Sunday showed me that, there's a little bit more to this is a little bit more than learning the offense and, you know, learning a new coach. It just seems like there's, there's something else going on. Being a long-term Raider, right? Did you have any extra, you know, you wanted to win more against the chiefs, against the Broncos, against the chargers. What were those divisional games? Like, was there that extra boost of energy, the extra hatred that flew through you? Yeah, you know, I mean, look, anytime you played those teams, man, you knew that if you won, it was like winning two games, right? Because you were, you know, you beat them, you you know, you got one up and, and then the division, the whole deal. Uh, and if you lost, it, it, it was the opposite. So, 
certainly for years, man, you know, I think we may have lost 19, 20 straight games to, to Kansas City, you know, uh, from, 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 you know, 89 till I, I know we didn't beat them up there until uh, 1999, which was a game rolled over to 2000. That was the first time we had beat them there since 89 or something like that. So, um, you know, so those games, man, you know, there was always a lot more intensity, you know, but you knew the guys very well. You, you knew, you knew their wife's name, you knew their kid's name. You know, if you want to talk smack about them, you, <laughs> you, you could really get personal if you wanted to, but, um, uh, you know, those are the games, man, that when you think back on your career, those are the ones that come up quickly. You know, Kansas City and Denver are known as, as two of the harder places to, to play, especially when you were playing. Denver was great, won a couple Super Bowls. Kansas City was in the playoffs routinely. Um, which place, just from an atmosphere standpoint, was harder to play uh, at in your mind? Well, you know, Kansas City is not the biggest stadium, but that stadium is very unique because um, it's like the crowd is right on top of you. And, um, and they're very knowledgeable of the game. You know, they know when to cheer, when not to cheer, when to be quiet, that whole deal. Um, so we routinely thought that uh, that was one of the toughest places to play. Now, it also has, in my opinion, one of the best fields, grass fields in, in the league. Um, it was definitely that when I was playing, and I'm sure it still looks like it's the same. So from that standpoint, you, were, you, you wanted to play on that field because you knew it was going to be a chance to, um, to really, you know, play well. That's after, you know, when I first came in the league, they were turf, you know, so and they changed that over. So but, um, yeah, Kansas City was was a routine, routinely tough place to play. And of course, when we were losing there the way we were, um, you know, it, it was it made it even tougher. I know you were part of the switch from L.A. to Oakland, but now Oakland is going to Las Vegas. I, for one, think it's a little interesting because as much as I'm a Chiefs guy, right? As mm-hmm. as much as you dislike the Raiders, right, you appreciate Oakland. You appreciate the black hole. You, the rivalry between the fan bases was fantastic. Do you think there's anything lost when a team moves from, example, L.A. to Oakland, then Oakland to Las Vegas now? I don't think we lost anything going from L.A. to Oakland. You know, the L.A. fan base was great, but they were mostly great when we were great. Um, you know, in 89 and 88, 89, you know, the opening game of the year, my rookie year, the opening game, there was – and the stadium at that time set, set over 100,000 people, I think. Um, we had 38,000 people there for opening day, my rookie year. You know what I mean? So now you contrast that in 1990 when we are going to the AFC Championship game. You know what I mean? They, you know, the playoff, the division playoff, we had 90,000 people in the stadium, you know, so – um, you know, I think L.A. was up when you were up and down when you were down. So and we knew what kind of crowd we were going to get, depending on what our schedule was. I mean, what our record was at the time. Uh, we got to Oakland. That wasn't the case. I mean, they sold out every every week, every every home game they sold out. No matter if we were four and 11 and it was our last home game, they were there. You know, uh, the stadium was packed. So. Um, so we, we certainly enjoyed that. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why I want to play as hard as I want to play for that organization. It was because of the fan base and how loyal they was they were to us, even when they probably shouldn't have been because we were stinking it up. <laughs> <laughs> A few more minutes here with the uh, Hall of Fame wide receiver, Tim Brown, of course, of the Raiders. Um, you're working on a, on a project, H to H, which we were talking about before we came on. It is really interesting. 
Uh, can you explain that a little bit better to the listeners who exactly what that is and what it's all about? Yeah, you know, when I was getting ready to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, I mean, literally, I'm, I'm about to get on the bus and go give my speech. One of my buddies who came from Dallas with me pulled me over and said, uh, did you know that you're only the ninth player to win the Heisman and be in, you know, be inducted in the Hall of Fame? And I was like, Lee, man, get, get away. I mean, it's got to be 40, 50 guys who have done that. You know, what are you talking about? So, and on the bus ride over, I Googled that up. And, you know, Google at that time hadn't added me, so there were only eight guys. And I was, I was a little shocked by that, you know, that there were only eight guys at that time. So, you know, after, after the uh, enshrinement and all that, I called a couple guys and just said, man, look, you know, this looks like it should be something. I mean, it looks like something that we should take, you know, take advantage of and, and try and help out or whatever. So what we decided, what we decided was, we left the incredible legacy on the field. Now let's see what kind of legacy we can leave off the field, and uh, you know, by partnering with uh, nonprofits and you know, and not that we had to be there, but why not have a representative there? Why not partner with somebody like the Red Cross? and uh, help them bring more money to situations that they have to deal with, you know. So um, so it, it really left an incredible opportunity for us to, um, you know, to try and give back, man. And, um, and certainly, you know, there's some branding parts going on, you know, the hats and T-shirts and all that stuff that we may, uh, we may come up with. But I think the main thing was for us to make sure that we were partnering with people who wanted to give back to these communities. So what we learned – you got three or four guys involved now. We got a I was a night guy and Charles Woodson ended up being a tent guy. So we have one one DB, one quarterback, one receiver, and the rest are DBs. Uh, but you know, we got a guy, a couple guys who are golfers, and we go around to these tournaments, man. And these folks in these neighborhood neighborhoods are doing incredible, incredible work. And um, and it may not be, you know, the big, you know company that uh, nonprofit that's advertising on TV all the time. But when you see what they're doing in the community, it's really something we thought we should be, we, we should be a part of. So we definitely plan to, to help there. We shot a documentary here in Dallas. It's going to air right before the Super Bowl this year. Uh, so we're looking forward to that, man. And uh, really just trying to give back uh, and, and take advantage of this incredible position we find ourselves in where hopefully people will want to partner with us to help us get back. Awesome. That is that is great stuff. And for people who are listening and not watching this live, you can follow Tim at, at on Twitter at 81TimBrown. Check out all of the stuff that he just laid out, including that documentary, which I can't wait to watch. That sounds fantastic. It's a really interesting idea. You guys, great job by you guys to uh, to, to leverage your platform into doing something for, uh, for the community and bettering people's lives, uh, especially, listen, Anytime you can do any, anything for people, it's great. Uh, nowadays, you know, now we're now we're rolling toward the holidays. Always want people to feel good uh, mm-hmm. as we go toward them. And hey, hopefully, uh, Tim, uh, from a football standpoint, hopefully for you, your Raiders uh, figure out whatever is going on yeah. playing in Jacksonville this weekend. Got to win this one. Got to win this, this one. No doubt. Uh, otherwise, it's uh, it's off the rails and, and down the hill. <laughs> um, hey, listen, Tim, thank you so much for joining us. You've been on here before. I really appreciate you coming on again. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you down the line. Hey, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for the time. Absolutely. Thank you. That is Tim Brown, Pro Football Hall of Famer. And by the way, if you're watching that, has the coolest chair of anybody we've ever interviewed. 
That was um, sweet. That, I mean, that chair, if we had more time, we, we could have yeah. just spent five minutes saying, what is the story with that badass chair? Yes, like a cathedral chair. It's beautiful. Um, Tim's and the shirt. shirt was awesome, too. Yes, we've had him on before because uh, he also partners with the Special Olympics. Tim's a great guy. I've interviewed him. I've met him in person at the Super Bowl. We've, we've done interviews there. Um, you, you couldn't find a, a nicer guy. So thanks to Tim for coming on, giving us a few minutes. Uh, really appreciate him as always. All right. So, of course, because we had Tim on, show was a little bit truncated this week, but that's fine. More than worth it to have a Hall of Famer on, um, especially one as insightful as Tim. So let's let's get into the, the, the big topic here that we want to discuss before we have uh, Mr. Heisler come on. So the, the NFC right now, I think, can best be described as a tire fire. Um, the Eagles are 7-0 and and terrific. And then you have that second tier. Now, the question really is, how many teams are on that second tier? I, I listed four teams that are worthy of talking about, and I really should list five, so I'll throw a fifth one on there. Vikings, Niners, Seahawks, Cowboys, and I, I didn't leave. I didn't put the Giants on, but the Giants deserve to be on there at six and two. The Giants. Of those teams, who do you think is the the biggest challenger to Philadelphia? It's weird. And is there one or none <laughs> of them a challenge? I, like, I, I I think the Eagles are, are by far the best. But again, any any given Sunday, as far as if you want to think who's the the biggest challenge to them, I think the Vikings. And it's really weird saying the Vikings because they have Kirk Cousins as their quarterback. But every time I watch the Vikings play, I'm left leaving my feeling a little impressed, right? Their only loss was that brutal, brutal primetime game. The lights were too bright for Kirk Cousins. But they're a very talented team. I I love what the coaching staff has done. They're, They're solid in all facets. The biggest weakness you might say is Kirk Cousins, but he's been solid all season long. As much as I would like to say the Niners, because the Niners have a very good roster, the addition of Christian McCaffrey, who, by the way, the rushing, receiving, and throwing touchdown was just incredible. Yes. It's Jimmy G. It's Jimmy G and injuries. I don't see how if the Niners fall behind in a game, the Eagles, for example, are very fast starters. How they come back. Like, for example, the Eagles get out to a big lead. How, how are the Niners going to get back into that game? I don't think they can. I think Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, they have the ability to. Niners, I'm not so sure about. You, you know, I'm going to go with the 49ers, though. But I will tell you this. I think there's one team that's not getting enough shine. And I'm sorry, I'm, I am looking at my phone. I'm not disinterested. I'm just... Uh... <laughs> Trying to make sure we're not missing any news today since it's a trade deadline. By the way, the Colts fired their offensive coordinator um, as if as if he's the, the problem in this, this uh, situation. So, no, listen, um, I think that's a fair point with the Vikings. I like the, the Niners because I think the Niners are by far the most talented team of those those five. Um, when you can put Ayuk and Debo and Kittle and McCaffrey on the field at the same time with a really good defense on the other side, I think you're 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 talking. I wrote this in my column. I found this fascinating. If you look at the current playoff standings for the NFC, Jimmy Garoppolo has more wins than the other six quarterbacks combined in the playoffs. 
They have three. Cousins has one. Prescott has one. Mariota has one. Garoppolo is four. That's it. That's it. I mean, I really sat there and thought about it. So well, whoever handles the pressure better in January is going to win because that, that's where you're at with this right now. Brady, Stafford, Rodgers, not in the playoffs right now. Nuts. Um, hell, even Heineke's got a playoff start if you were, if they were to somehow get in, right? Um, but the one team I wanted to say was I don't think Dallas is getting enough attention. Mm. The Cowboys, which is weird, by the way, because the Cowboys always get more attention than they deserve, right? Like that's kind of the way things go. This year, I don't think the Cowboys are getting a lot of attention. They're good. Like defensively, they're very good. And offensively, with that, with the running game, with Prescott, I worry about them a little bit in the passing game. Like CeeDee Lamb is very good, but they don't have anybody else on the outside. Dallas, I could see being a problem. I don't know. That, like Now, I will say this. I think if Dallas got to the Super Bowl, they would get absolutely blown out by either AFC team. But I do think Dallas is worthy of conversation. I think the Eagles are clearly the best team. I also would not be surprised if Dallas or San Francisco went into Philadelphia in a playoff game and beat them. With the Cowboys, I was watching them on Sunday, and I was very impressed at what they, what they did. Dak Prescott looks healthy. He looks very talented. Uh, the offensive line has been better than expected for the Cowboys. Uh, Tony Pollard, I've been screaming for, what, two and a half, maybe three years now. Tony Pollard's better than Zeke. We Jerry saw what happened. I mean, I, it's, it's Jerry's wrong. Immediately came out after that and was like, I don't care. Nailed yeah. to the bench. Like, okay. it's, Tony Jerry. Pollard with a full workload was outstanding. Uh, Dalton Schultz is very talented. You mentioned CeeDee yeah. Lamb, and you're right. Uh, Michael Gallup, do you trust Gallup? Um, when it comes to CeeDee Lamb, even he's had his own drop issues. I've noticed a few games just watching the Cowboys. It just feels like he'll take his eye off an easy ball, and you're sitting here going, man, you got to come down with that ball. If you are the elite of the elite, uh, it seems like they're missing Amari Cooper, but you're right. That defense is legitimately good. The Cowboys are the right in that tier. I just feel like the Vikings, again, I like what the Vikings have done overall. And again, it feels weird. I'm somehow riding with Kirk Cousins. I feel gross for even saying that. Yeah, I can't uh, I can't go that route. But I, I think the Vikings – I will say this. I think the Vikings are going to win that division. And I think Minnesota could certainly win a playoff game or two. I, I, I think that's within reason. Look, you're going to have some games you have to see that are just insane. Like, you're going to have playoff games where you're like, what? Who's playing in that game? I mean, one of them's got to win. Like, there's a world where Atlanta and the Giants are in a playoff game against each other. Like, one of those teams is going to the divisional round. So, yes, listen, I, I think the NFC is fascinating uh, for all the wrong reasons. But uh, yeah, you look at it and just go, okay, Philly's terrific. Is anybody else terrific? Is anybody else even capable of being terrific? I still think if the 49ers, when they're healthy, I still think that team is a is a beast. They are really t- – the only thing that scares me with the Niners, though, I got to be honest, they've played one good team all year, and they got their doors blown off in the game. I mean, they played – Kansas City's the only thing they've played that's worth anything all season long. And if you want to run Atlanta, and Atlanta beat them up. Like, Atlanta beat them by two touchdowns. The Chiefs beat them by three touchdowns. How much does that matter to you? I don't know. I mean, they did beat Seattle. Fair is fair. They beat them pretty good at home. But, yeah, I think the NFC, boy, I'll tell you, we talked about all offseason. We were like, ah, it's a real hodgepodge. And I remember at the beginning of the season saying, well, you got three teams. 
Green Bay, it's Tampa, and it's the Rams. As it turns <laughs> out, nope, all terrible. All terrible. Um, I, I don't understand. Uh, of those three teams, who's most likely to get it going? Uh, of the Packers, the Rams, the Bucks. Well, actually, no, hold on. You got to trade. On live live here, as Jeremy actually pointed out just now, uh, the Lions are trading TJ Hawkinson, tight end TJ Hawkinson, to the Vikings in the division. But Minnesota's given up a decent amount here a 2023 second rounder, a 2024 third. Now, on the flip side, Detroit's also sending back a fourth and a 2024, or excuse me. Yes, two fourths uh, uh, each of the next two years. Hmm. That's I, interesting. I, I'm shocked. TJ Hawkinson is one of the young, in my opinion, you know, budding tight end stars. Uh, Detroit, I get it. They want to, to get some more draft capital, but you just drafted him fairly recently, eighth overall. I, I think this is very good for the Vikings. If you're the Vikings, this, yes, this, help, this helps me. Uh, I, I'm shocked right now that the Lions would make this trade. Yeah, that's a, that's an awful trade. Um, that makes no sense for the Lions. I mean, because you got to think about okay, you're getting a second, and you're getting a future third. You're giving up two fourths. Like you moved up, you know, a couple of rounds and around, and you you traded away one of your best young players. I don't I don't understand that. I don't understand why you would do that. Unless he was just so, so ready to be out of Detroit, and he's like, "There's zero chance in hell I'm ever signing an extension here." Sure, but e- even still, like you have a fifth round option. Like, what? I, I don't. Okay, so does that does that change anything for you? And you just talked about the Vikings as being your team. Now they've got him and Thielen and Jefferson. Does that make you more confident in them, or do, does that does it move the needle for you? Does sure. Move the okay. Okay. I, I mean, again, I, I, this is my point, and you mentioned it with San Fran how when they get down or they they get blown out, right? When they lose, it, it's been blowouts. Yeah, they can't come back. As great as Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, uh, Chris McCaffrey are, they can't come back in games. I, I just don't believe in Jimmy G to start chucking the ball downfield. I Kirk Cousins will get the ball down there. He doesn't give a he doesn't give a hoot nor a holler. Now with Hawkinson, a guy over the middle. I mean, the Vikings offense looks legitimately good. I gotta tell you, I am really surprised. It's like if you're the Lions, <laughs> you basically moved up a little bit. And on top of oh, by the way, we're gonna play him in the division twice a year now. What? I just God, man, Detroit. Detroit's Detroit is to be the only city in the NFL that is actively rooting for contraction. I mean, as, you know, in most cities, it's like we love an NFL team. Detroit's like, for the love of Christ, please. Would you, would you like our team? Uh, <laughs> and not only do they do they lose every year, but then they got they ruin a holiday for them every season. Right? You're a Lions fan. You're like, oh, come on, please. Like just, just let me have, let me have turkey in peace. I, I, I gotta watch this shit, year in and year out. I, you know, and, and they gotta. And by the way, do you know they're playing this Thanksgiving? No, who? The Bills. Oh, that's right. Happy Thanksgiving, Detroit. 
bam, right in the face, just giving up 50. (laughs) I'm still so so shocked by this, but the Lions, they've been in games. Like, they've been in games. They almost beat Miami. I just don't, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand that team. They play hard. They're not talented. Jared Goff has been better than Matthew Stafford this year. Yes, you're right. I'm just, that team is the biggest hodgepodge of guys. And at least they were like, well, we have Amon Ross St. Brown. And we also have TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift. Let's get rid of one of the young building blocks. Just, Just insanity. Just absolute insanity. I, I don't see what's happening. But again, also like it's the Lions. So, but, you know, I mean, let's be realistic. Um, I, 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 uh, I'm not shocked. I don't get it. All right. Let's get the one other thing real quick. So, do you watch Monday Night Football last night with all the Halloween festivities going on? I sure did. I had 11 trick-or-treaters, so I had time. Oh, okay. I bet 120. Uh, so we put a bowl out front. So go after it, kids. Go nuts. Uh, as I was, I, I was not going to get dressed up for Halloween, by the way, because I'm 34 years old. And my mother was like, you, whenever I took you out when you were a kid, I got dressed up. So you should be getting dressed up for your kids because your daughter thinks it'd be cool if you do it and you should do it and you should be an adult and be a parent. So I did. I dressed up in my hockey gear as a hockey player and uh, came back. Sweating downstairs watching the game. <laughs> came back, had a little bit of a, of a, of a uh, clothing line change, if you will, and uh, sat down and watched it. So I guess I, I want to ask this with some tact and some professionalism. What the fuck happened to the Bengals last night? <laughs> what, what in God's name was that? Like, it, look, it's one thing to lose. Okay, it's a divisional game. You're on the road. Fine. I mean, what the hell? Like, what, that game was insane. I'm sitting there watching. I'm like eight nothing, eleven nothing. I'm like, all right, I'll come out of the break. They'll turn around. Twenty five nothing. You're like, hey guys, you you know you're not on the buy this week, right? Like, oh my god, Jacoby Brissett. His credit, by the way, is way better than people give him credit for this year. But Jacoby yeah. Brissett was like Joe Montana in that game. And I, I mean, at what point? And maybe we're to the point here. At what point are we seriously concerned about the offensive line again in Cincinnati? Where you're like, okay, not only is it like not gelling, it's as bad as it was a year ago. I, I it they were brutal in that game. Like I was mm. all ready to come on here if they wanted and say, hey, look, they are the third best team in the AFC. They're the team, team that's going to challenge the Bills and the Chiefs. And I got to tell you, Sterling, after watching that game, ain't nobody's challenging those two teams. I'm done. Like I'm done even trying to find the team. Yeah. Like, I'm done. These teams, God, like, can you imagine the Bills? Like, look, the Chiefs had their stinker against the Colts. I'm not, you know, and the Bills have had theirs last year against Jacksonville. Can you imagine either one of those teams going to Cleveland and being down 25 to nothing, <laughs> like just playing coma ball for four quarters? Oh, my God. By the way, that was with Amari Cooper throwing an interception. One of the worst ill-advised throws I have ever seen from a trick play, and the Bengals are still like, nah. We're good. And, we don't and care. the Browns lost the fumble at midfield. Oh, look at all of it. it, it was- and I, my dumbass, on Friday was sitting here going, "All right, 
I'm about ready to say the Bengals are almost there. They're almost in that tier. You know, any given Sunday, I could see them potentially their offense competing. Uh, no. No, they cannot. And, and Kyle's saying it in the chat. He says, Dolphins are probably the third best team when, when uh, Tua starts. Or they're five. You know, technically, they lost on one Tua start. But Kyle, your, your point stands. Because when, he, when he's played a full game, yes, they're on the yeah. field. Um, I, I just – I'm with you. It probably is at this point. It probably is Miami. I mean, maybe you want to throw in Baltimore, but I, you know, it is Miami. I got to be honest. I just cannot get past them defensively. I just can't. Like, I think if they play the Chiefs or the Bills, they're giving up 50 in a playoff game. I'm not, I'm not even exaggerating. I honestly think they're giving up 50 points. And then it's like, yeah, like two, two and two is credit, man. It's played well. Like, I'm not knocking him. I wrote a whole article about how Tyreek Hill is proving he doesn't need Mahomes. Let me tell you something. Chiefs fans not pleased with that article, but it's the truth. Um, and Mahomes is proving he doesn't need him. So, it's, I mean, it's gone both ways. But I'm probably with you. I'm probably, all right, let, let, let's bring in the uh, unofficial third host of this show. Let's bring in Heisler. Let's get him in here. Heisler, what's going on? You look like you're joining the Manning cast at the quarter zip. I like it. Um, I, I'm a big fan. I've got about 28 quarter zips in the closet right now. So, good for you. It's the time of year. We're in November. Get, break, time to break them out. Um, how, how the hell are you? And how, how did week eight treat you? Uh, week eight was good. Uh, had a few go up and down. Chased uh, one game with uh, that Chicago Dallas game that, that didn't work out well. Uh, took the Bears at plus seventeen and a half, uh, knowing that they were supposed to be better in the in the second half. And Tony Pollard just ran all over them. And then you had that uh, that fumble by Montgomery that turned into the difference there. But overall, a solid week. Solid week for the show, boys. Three and zero last week. We were on uh, the Patriots. Uh, As a favorite on the road against the Jets, we took the 49ers on the money line against the Rams. The Seattle Seahawks, man, they just keep winning. We finally saw the New York Jets lose a game, or the New York Giants lose a game as a uh, a short underdog uh, on the road at Seattle. So uh, good week for us, 15-6 and now here on Stack in the Box this year. Great job, you guys, because I think I went against you on all three last week. I know for sure I was with the Rams and with the Jets. So thank you guys for not listening to my dumbass and outvoting me. Because, Ben, I've said this four times already this year. I am done betting against you. And, and yet we'll probably have a couple decisions made today, Sterling, that you're going to be like, I, I can't do it. I got to go the other way. Yep. And that's okay. Like, th- that's sort of the fun of the show. Like, we're, we're talking about some of these bets on a Tuesday morning, right? Like so much shit can change between now and kickoff that it's hard sometimes to try and have a, a feel for a lot of these things. But it was Verderham points out, you know, every, every Monday, if you read uh, his column, there's always a, you know, a first initial bet from either myself or Peter Dewey or someone from the bet side of team. Sometimes you just kind of have to get ahead of these numbers in, in the games that I'm on this week. I, I felt like I was going to be on the right side of these numbers, even if I wasn't necessarily sure if that was where the movement would finally go but we'll break down some of those games coming up in a little bit it's a weird slate you guys i don't know if you've had the conversation leading up to it i know that uh, there's been some some crazy stuff ahead of the the nfl trade deadline as well um but there's there's compelling matchups but it's not necessarily amongst winning teams it's kind of all involving teams that were expected to be much better that just haven't lived up to the bill this year yeah no, that, that's true. I mean, Bucks-Rams is an example of that. Um, I am fascinated from a gambling perspective. Now, the, we keep talking about, right, These three, the big three, the three teams that everybody keeps talking about, the Eagles, the Bills, and the Chiefs. 
all three of them are just massive favorites this weekend. But here's what I find interesting. So the Eagles are playing the Texans. You would expect the Eagles to be a massive favorite, and they are. On the road, they're laying 13 and a half points. Correct. Last I checked. The Bills and the Chiefs are playing teams that are playoff teams at the moment. The Jets are five and three. The Titans are the two seed. They're higher than seeded than Kansas City right now, even though they're both at the same record. They're five and two. And for the people out there who haven't checked, the Bills are laying 13 on the road against the Jets, who are five and three. Kansas City is laying 13 points against the five and two Titans. Like they're the two seed. That just goes to show how ridiculous uh, the, the AFC and, and the NFL really is right now in terms of lopsidedness. The Chiefs open, I think it was like 10 and a half. That yep. line is just rolling and rolling and rolling. I mean, it's 13 now in some books. Uh, it just goes to show, I mean, the Chiefs and Bills are playing two teams that have won a bunch of games this year. They're 10 and 5 overall combined, and, the, and combined they're laying 26 points in these two games. The Bills-Jets one, I think, makes a little bit more sense in the sense that the Jets' offense right now with Zach Wilson, they're terrible. Bills are going to be able to generate a ton of pass rush, and there's very clear and definitive numbers that say that when Zach Wilson gets pressured, he's he's bad. Like, among the worst quarterbacks in the league, bad. And you saw it against the Patriots. And that was kind of what we we, we talked about a little bit, you know, Sterling aside. Um, But there was... (laughs) First half looked good. First half, I was getting ready to start sending some trash talk messages in the in the group, and I was like, "Shit, let's let's wait a little bit." I'm glad. Yeah, I did. The, the Zach Wilson implosion was coming, and again, you you never want to necessarily up. bet bet the team from last week this week. You know, there's a very good chance that the Jets' defense writes the ship a little bit, but you know, for Buffalo could have blown out the Packers by. 20 something points and, and they yeah, kind of took it easy on, on Rogers in the second half. Like Josh Allen said that Rogers was his favorite player growing up. I can't help but wonder if that was like the equivalent of, of Matt Eberflus kneeling at the goal line um, when they were up in the Monday night game for the bears against the Patriots just kind of felt like they let green Bay hang around and, and, and cover the 10 and a half there. If we're going to start with that most compelling game for that you brought up the, the, the Rams and the, and the Buccaneers, it's a tough matchup to get any sort of sense of who is going to feel the urgency first. I, I, I think the answer is the Rams, and, and that's a pick that I'm on this week at plus three. Uh, and we've seen the line move to, to two and a half at, at most books now. But at, at some point, we keep saying at some point the, the Buccaneers offense is going to wake up. And until Brady actually has time to throw, which probably isn't coming this week, because if there is one thing that you can criticize the Rams for, I, I don't know if if pass rush right now is at the definitive top of the list. I don't think it's anywhere close to the list compared to the issues that they have. But that's been the issue. Brady doesn't have time to throw. And when he's throwing, he doesn't look definitive. The, the line for Tampa Bay is almost a courtesy line that, okay, they're going to wake up at some point. There's just too many playmakers on this offense. But the line is not good. And you can't help but wonder, like, if, if Oddsmaker is starting to recognize this. Because even though the Rams look terrible, too, this actually might set up to be a game that they can win. At what point do we start saying, okay, instead of, like, maybe it's like somebody, like, tripped off a curb and you're like, hey, man, you, you good? Can you get up? At what point are the Bucks a team that jumped from 15,000 feet and the parachute didn't open? And at this point, there's just a smoking crater in the ground. 
Okay, man, you all right? Like, no, very, very far from all right. Like, just place a sheet over the crater. It's over. Um, I feel like that's where we're at with the Bucs. Like, the Bucs stink. They're just not a good football team. They're not, they're not good. They're not even all that talented at this point. Like, Barrett's out for the year now. Sue's gone. Hicks is hurt. You know, Pierre Paul's gone. They're not, like, there's nothing about them that you're like, oh, my God, how do you beat that team? I mean, Devin White hasn't even been good this year. Jordan Whitehead's gone. Offensively, they're atrocious. They can't run the ball. They're one of the worst rushing teams in the, in the last 30 years of the NFL. Brady looks like he wants to be anywhere but on a football field. Evans seemingly forgot the playbook overnight. Like, just, just doesn't know where he's running on, on given plays. Like, Julio Jones, I know, I know, to the shock of everybody who made these graphics, <laughs> you're like, who can stop this team? Well, as it turns out, injuries can. Because he's never on the field. So, they're not good. I'm with you 100% on the Rams. I don't even know who's going to win the game because the Rams are almost next to them in another smoking crater. But I, I take the points. At minimum, this guy certainly take the points in it. Yeah, I, I'd go Rams points. I, both offensive lines are the issue. I just think the Rams have a better defense at this point, and that's going to be the difference in this game. Stafford, Tom Brady, it's the Spider-Man pointing at each other meme. Both have been horrendous. I mean, Jared Goff, Geno Smith, Davis Mills, Marcus Mariota, all guys have outplayed both these quarterbacks all season long. Uh, you probably wouldn't have believed that going into this year, but it's it's been true. Uh, I'll go with the Rams just because I think they have a better chance of figuring it out than than the Buccaneers do. I agree. I placed a bet. I placed actually placed two bets at the beginning of the season. I even think I brought it up on the show. This might have been before you started Sterling. So if, if it did, I apologize. I I had two bets at eleven to one odds that the Green Bay Packers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. L.A. Rams, Baltimore Ravens, Buffalo Bills, Indianapolis Colts, and the Kansas City Chiefs, and Philadelphia Eagles would all make the playoffs. I then bet that same one, but instead of the Eagles, I took the Cowboys. I I did not think that the deciding factors in these, instead of being the Eagles and the Cowboys, would be the Packers, Bucks, Rams, and Colts. <laughs> Vegas always knows. They I, always, I remember always when you know. told me about that bet, and I was like, that's a sure thing. No, no, it is not. Free money. It wasn't even because of injuries. These teams just stink. That's what's really crazy about it. I'm unbelievable. No, that's why the NFL is king, man. You never know what the hell is going to happen. One matchup. So we've talked about the Rams. We've talked about the Bucks. Another matchup that I have circled is is, is top three on my viewing list. Um, Two teams that are in it, despite watching them play consistently all year and thinking to yourself, like, they're, they're not good teams either. And that's the Chargers on the road against the Falcons. Uh, I'm taking the over in that game at 48. There's going to be a lot of points scored yes, between will. both of these two teams. Uh, I think 48 is far too low. But the Falcons right now, and, and <laughs> bless the heart of, of one Ian McMillan, who last week decided to jump on board. He is a diehard Falcons fan. He is. Uh, sided. He took the Falcons to win the, <laughs> the NFC South at four to one and then proceeded to watch the the best worst game I've ever seen between the Panthers and the Falcons. Yes. Uh, they ended up still finding a way to pull it off because Carolina wanted to lose the game more. 
And now you have a fairly compelling matchup between two teams that are right in the thick of the playoff race. And yet I think the three of us can look each other right in the eye and say to ourselves, neither of these teams are good, but they might just luck their way into a playoff spot because enough breaks start to, to go their way at this point. Yeah. I mean, look, so I, I feel two things about this game. One is I agree with you the over. I don't know if the total is, and I take the over. Yeah. It was like 50. No, the Chargers are, are, are three to three and a half point favorites right now. Pretty consensus three on the yeah. road against the Dallas. Why are they a favorite in this game? I, talent discrepancy. Well, I, I, I think we can all agree they that never the beat anybody. They're, they're the biggest frauds on the face of the earth. They never win against. Like, here, here's what they've done so far this season. Week one, they, they barely beat the Raiders, okay, at home, at home. Then, then went to Kansas City, played well for a half of football, and then lost and got their quarterback maimed in the, in the, in the uh, proceedings and then decided down 10 with a minute to go. Hey, Justin, you got about 18 cracked ribs. Why don't you get out there and give it a shot? Okay, great. Then they go home. They get absolutely boat raced by Jacksonville, lose that game, 38 to 10. And they leave them in there again. Then they go to Houston. They win a game that, like, it, like they were up 27 to 7 in and almost blew it and then had to, like, hold on for dear life at the end. They won against Denver on a Monday night game that was one of the worst football games ever witnessed. I think everybody can agree on that. Everybody yeah. who saw that, that game was atrocious. They got killed by Seattle. And then what? They won one other game. Oh, the Cleveland game. Did they. They did everything imaginable to lose that game. Yep. So here, here's my hot take. The Chargers suck. Like, I, I would take Atlanta outright to win the game. And I wouldn't even sweat it. Like, And, and I don't think Atlanta is great. Do you know how many yards Atlanta is going to rush for in this game? Atlanta is going to rush for over 200 yards in this game. I, I truly believe that. Like, And by the way, you think Atlanta is going to rush for a lot, which I do? If you're one of those people out there that believes that? The following week, the Niners off a bye get the Chargers at home. What is the over-under rushing total in that game? 300? So the Chargers are giving up 5.7 yards per attempt. It's by far the worst in, in football. G- give me all day, give me the Falcons to win this game and to certainly go over as well. I like it. I, I, everything you said, I agree. Until Justin Herbert is allowed to throw the ball downfield, I don't know if it's him. I don't know if it's the coaching staff. But until they allow him to take the training wheels off and, and, and realize it's not Matt Schaub, it's Justin Herbert, and, I, I, I can't go with this him. game. There's no Mike Williams. They don't even know if Keenan Allen's going to be able to play. Still dealing with a hamstring hurt in Week One. J.C. Jackson out for the year. Rashawn Slater out for the year. Bosa's out still that eight to ten week time frame. Like. How much more? How much more talented are they than the Falcons? Like with all yeah. these guys, with the injuries, that's a really compelling point. And but but the Chargers also have these tendencies where, and I have to dig into this a little bit further. But a lot of times on the road as a favorite is, is usually an ideal time to take the Chargers because of the fact that like home field advantage to them doesn't matter. Um, that's when occasionally they tend to be overlooked. They're usually coming off of a bad loss at home to which the public then switches sides and you're able to get the Chargers at a better number. You're right. Like Atlanta, based on the way that Arthur Smith is running this scheme right now, should own time of possession, maybe even two to one. Like that's that's how awful that rush defense is. 
But would I be shocked if Herbert throws for 350 and three touchdowns in this game if Allen is healthy? No, not at all. But then, And that's why I think all of us are, are on the over here. All right, so that's the second most compelling matchup that I have on the board this week. The third one is not actually Tennessee and Kansas City because of what we just talked about. There is no confidence right now in Tennessee from the odds makers at all in this no. game. 12 and a half, 13 on the road, despite both teams being five and two. Um, Ryan Tannehill appears to be out. Malik Willis back in. Like Derrick Henry could be a difference maker, but now you're going up against the Chiefs as opposed to the, the Texans. Like it's not, it, you're, you're comparing apples and candy canes like at this point. So I'm, I'm leaving it off of my list of, of top three compelling matchups. Where I think is more compelling is actually in the NFC North when the Packers go up against the Lions. Again, two bad teams right compelling? now. Jesus. I mean, Lions just traded away TJ Hawkinson, which is pretty remarkable. They traded him to the Vikings um, for, I think, a second and a fourth round pick. Surprised Irv Smith didn't go over in, the, uh, in that trade, by the way. Um, yeah, Vikings get TJ Hawkinson, a fourth round pick and a conditional fourth. Lions get the 2023 second round pick, 2024 third round pick. So second and a third. Right. Um, but I, I kind of need to know if, if this is going to be your Green Bay Packers respond week. They covered against Buffalo, but again, it was a, it was a courtesy cover from Buffalo letting them hang around in that game. Aaron Jones looked great and he should have another monster game against yes. the Lions, who are talking about bad run defenses, Detroit's right up at the top of the list. But the Packers right now aren't, aren't – like that defense, I had such high hopes and expectations for. And they've they've looked bad. Awful at stopping the run. DeAndre Swift should have a massive game. Jamal Williams, uh, revenge game for him, I suppose, if you want to look at it from that perspective. Um, like another game where I think you can see plenty of points. Um, but – if, if the Packers can't dominate this game, then there, there's no coming back for them. And, and maybe you've already ruled them out, but this, this has to be your get-right week. Otherwise, your, your season's over. Haven't, haven't ruled them out. Look, I'm not ready to put them in smoking crater uh, levels. Yeah. But Three and a half point favorites on the road, by the way. Like, they've fallen off the roof, though. Like, there's an indentation in the ground, and you might want to call medical personnel. Um they have to win this game. The Lions just waved the white flag for Aiden Hawkinson. They are awful. I would imagine that place is going to be like Lambeau with the amount of Packers fans in it. I mean, if, if you can't score 30 on Detroit, you might as well give it up. I mean, you really might give it up. So, I, I got to roll with the Packers here. I mean, I have to, despite the fact they've looked awful for a month. I just, I cannot believe that they're going to lose this game. But I'm not going to lie to you guys. I could also see a situation where we're, we're sitting there on Sunday afternoon. You're like, oh, my God, Detroit's beating them 30 to 10. Like, they just look deader than hell. But I, I, I'm i going to just stupidly pick them and say, look, I, at some point, like, they've got to play better than the way they've played. So I will roll with Green Bay, albeit with, like, one eye kind of uh, wincing. Yeah, I, I like the stupidly going with Green Bay. I'm with you. Just talent level alone, you have to. It's Aaron Rodgers versus Jared Goff. And again, I've, I've said it on this show. Jared Goff's been above average, average this year, maybe even better than Rodgers at, at the majority of games this season. But the, the Packers are more talented. They are getting Aaron Jones finally, finally more involved. 
They finally realize they have a weapon that's good on that team. I'll go with the Packers, but again, it's begrudgingly. I think the over, though, is a fairly safe bet because I do think both teams will struggle to stop anyone. The, the Detroit Lions, their defense is horrendous. Packers' defense has been bad, and, and the Detroit Lions can at least score points. I'll give them that. Can we have a moment of silence for Detroit sports in general? I mean, just uh, down – you want to talk about down bad? Like, the Tigers have stunk for, what now, almost a decade? The Red Wings were great forever when I was younger. And I actually think the Red Wings have some young talent. Like the Red Wings are on the on the come up, but still not good. The Pistons are brutal. And the Lions are involved. And Jeremy, by the way, who's our, our, our stack in the box reporter here today, says Steve Nash just got fired for the Nets. So uh, there you go. Wouldn't have been the person I would have gotten rid of this week if I was the Nets. Yep. Confirmed by Woes, originally reported by uh, Jeremy Cochran. So uh, well done by Jeremy. Way to, way to scoop Woes there. Um, you, you know, I got to tell you, and I, this isn't a basketball podcast, so I'm not going to go too far down the rabbit hole on this. Uh, if I were the Nets or any other competent franchise, I would have sent Kyrie Irving packing this past week. And I, I, I mean, I, I would have just been done. Trade him, cut him, suspend him with or without pay, whatever. I just gotten rid of him. I'd have gotten him the hell off my team and figured out a way to permanently move on from him later. Um, I love that the Nets firing Steve Nash. I think that's going to fix this. Like, you're a disaster of an organization, and it's all your own doing. And Steve Nash may be a symptom of that problem. He's not the main problem. Like, you have a team that has Ben Simmons who went from one of the better players in the league to a complete train wreck, like a complete train wreck. Durant's still Durant. Durant's great. Kyrie Irving, I, I don't know how anybody could say he's worth it at this point. I mean, just what a disaster. But yes, we won't, you know, look, not NBA pod. Uh, I won't, I won't go too far, but my God, man, like just what a disaster the, the Nets are. But now Steve Nash out. Uh, they won last night, right? Believe they did. Yeah, now they're on a correct. second leg of a back to back against, uh, against Chicago tonight. You always fire a coach after a win. You always do it. But just, just really weird. All right. So we've laid out our bets. Uh, we, we are taking uh, the, the Rams uh, plus the points. We're taking the over, and we're taking the Packers, correct? Is that where we're at with these three? So, so, those, so those, are, those are the top three matchups on the board. We have our plays for those. The okay. bets that I have already made this week, and you can tell me whether or not you're, you're on board or not, okay. I have four on the board. Okay? Yep. The first one is a little bit more specific, but I, I grabbed this line the moment that Roquan, Roquan Smith got traded from Chicago. And that's Miami and Chicago, first half over 20 and a half. Right now the total sitting at 45. This line since moved to 22. I, you're, you're talking about two of the worst defenses in the NFL, 30th and 32nd in points per game in the first half. And then for whatever reason, the second half comes along. Both teams are actually able to make some adjustments. Miami, I believe, comes in fifth. In second half points per game, the Bears were top three um, until last week against the Cowboys. But even they still gave up 14 points. Um, the 21 was a result of that turnover for a touchdown from Mike Parsons. Um, but Miami's not going to have any issues scoring. Like the Bears secondary is is what's their best part of their team. But you're still not going to be able to control Tyreek Hill. You're still not going to be able to control Jalen Waddell. You saw the effort put in when they traded away um, – 
oh my goodness, what the the guy that just got the the all time record that they traded away to Philly? Why am I blanking out on his name? Quinn Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn. Thank you. Um, you saw the effort. What happened when they traded away Robert Quinn? Now you're trading away Roquan Smith, who's the face of that defense. <sighs> Matt Eberflus has his uh, work cut out for him to try and get this defense to respond this week. I know it's at home, but Miami is locked in offensively. You mentioned two is undefeated um, when he's in the lineup. I, I just think they're going to roll. They might even get the over 20 and a half by themselves. And Justin Fields, you have to give him some credit. Last couple of weeks, he's looked like a pretty damn good quarterback. Starting to get the, the game slow down a little bit. So I, I like the Bears and the Dolphins first half over. Uh, you can still get it at 22, but I like it especially at 20 and a half. Bet number one, we yay or nay? Uh, I'm with you. I think, I think the Dolphins are going to score their points. They always do. I mean, you're telling me 14-7 at halftime? Like, yeah, I'm going with that. Yeah, the 20 and a half I really like. The 22 starts to make me at least a little nervous because it, it comes right. down to can the Bears score more than seven? Right, which very much up in the air at this point. Although they've looked very good and very competent on offense the last few weeks. Two of them we already talked about. We like the over in the Chargers and the Falcons game in Atlanta. It's at 48. Still a good number. I think you can get on top of it. We like the Rams as an underdog on the road against Tampa Bay. You can even consider them on the money line if you want, but we'll take them with the points of plus three. The final one that I have on my card this week, and it was because I missed out on the better number for Seattle. Seattle opened as a three-point dog at Arizona this yep. week. Since moved, was able to get them at two and a half. And then a team that got their ass kicked on Monday night, the Cincinnati Bengals, they were eight and a half at home against Carolina. Yep. I am teasing those two teams to get very good numbers, moving them past seven and three. So what that means is I'm taking the Seahawks at plus two and a half. I'm adding six points to it, which makes Seattle an eight and a half point underdog against an Arizona team that other than the Saints game can't seem to win at home. And I'm taking a Bengals team that just got embarrassed on Monday night football going up against the Carolina Panthers that, yeah, they put up a fight, but they still found multiple ways to lose that game. It's not going to happen again. And now I can take Cincinnati under three. So Cincinnati goes from minus eight and a half to minus two and a half. We're going to tease those two teams together. I love it. I would have taken the Seahawks outright. Another line, like why are they not favored in this game? Arizona. And that's what kind of concerns me a little bit. That they're, I knew that the Seattle Seahawks were going to be on the right side and the, the odds movement reflects that. But again, why do you hang them at that number against an Arizona team that for years, especially from from weeks nine and beyond, has been among the worst teams in the NFL yeah. and, and and can't cover the spread at home? No, they're, so they're, I knew that line was going to move. No, but fair enough. I, you get a better number now. I like the uh, I like the calls. By the way, my my, uh, my dad texted me to get it on these best bets. He says he's taking the buy over the Broncos. Uh, <laughs> the buy currently favored by three and a half. Um, so all in. Yeah, a good bet, solid bet. You know that you know the Broncos won't score. Um, all right, so uh, that no, that's a that's a quality. Bet. I like that. It tees it tees down the the Bengals number, which I think is probably the more troublesome of the two. Yeah, I probably, like it. Yeah. I'm I'm also no longer going against you. So congratulations, Ben. You've swayed me. All right, let's go. Uh, let's go four and zero this week, gents. But uh, keep it going. That would make us nineteen and six against the spread. Uh, going into the second half of the year. Can't ask for a, for a better start than that. I'm open. I'm open. Listen, it, so far, the bets have been good. The bets have actually been great to this point. 
uh, which is all credit to Heisler. Uh, Holmes and I are idiots. We're just, just tagging along, praying to God that, this, that, that Ben leads us in the right direction. Um, all right. What do you want to plug on bet side, sir? Uh, if you're looking for, for more bets that uh, hopefully have the same type of success that we've had here on the show, uh, hopefully you guys have checked out what we're doing over at BetSided. Fansided.com slash BetSided. You can also follow us uh, on Twitter at BetSided as well. Um, if you're watching this video on YouTube, make sure you guys give us a subscription as well. Uh, give us a thumbs up, the daily read, uh, which is on right now. So head on over after you're done with stacking the box, get some college football plays, and then daily bet slip every day at five o'clock Eastern to go through our plays of the night. All right. Awesome. As always, sir, great job. Appreciate you. And uh, you and I will be on the Arrowhead Attic podcast on Thursday. So we'll, uh, we'll do it. Soon. See you, fellas. Take care. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, so great job by Heisler. We've got a full show. We've had uh, Tim Brown leading us off. we had Heisler coming in. Now you and I are going to finish this, uh, this bad boy up. All right. Uh, what, uh, what What's going on this week? What's going on in your life? Well, one, I'm going to, I think, Mizzou again this week. Mizzou uh, beat South Carolina. A ranked SEC team. Semantics. I get it. But South Carolina was ranked 25th in the nation. Mizzou went down. They got the dub, moved to 500. They play Kentucky back in Columbia this weekend. I think I might, me and some boys might make another day trip down. Uh, so we'll do that. But first, what trip is that for you? Two hours. Two hours there, two hours back. It's close. And you can drink in Missouri as long as you're not driving in the car. So I, I'm tailgating in the car because it's an 11 a.m. game. And if you think I'm getting my ass up at the crack of six, you can drink in a car as long as you're not driving. Yeah. Come on, baby. Also, I'm pretty sure – I don't know if this is true or not, so do not take this as legal advice. I was told by a guy who was drunk, of course, in uh, Mississippi, you can drink and drive as long as you're under .05. And I have no idea if that's actually true or not, but it, it was catchy. And so I always think of that now. So now I'm always like, well, if I go to Mississippi and I'm thirsty, I'll just have a bush light on the road. But do not okay, take it. Yeah, I, I go to Mississippi. The least of my problems is drinking while I'm in, in the car. Okay. It's a fact that I'm in Mississippi. Um, all right. Let's, uh, let's close on this. So, so I got, a, I got the back page to say, Matt, you should start an NBA pod. I, I don't have the wits for that. I, the, the NBA, I, I can't take with the, the Knicks. As a Knicks fan, they're terrible. I got to deal, you know, then you get these guys, you know, I need a load management. I need 30 games off. Load management. Getting paid a fortune. Go out there and jog for 30 minutes. Like, I mean, it, it's you, know, you don't see hockey, which is far more physically taxing. Same amount of games, same travel schedule. You don't see anybody in hockey going, yeah, I need load management. You know why? Because some people would get hit with a stick in the locker room over that. Like, I can't even imagine Connor McDavid going, yeah, you know, listen, guys, guys, I know – I, I know we got a back-to-back, and I'm thinking, like, I'm just going to sit this one out. No chance. no, Not a, not a chance in the world. Um, but I will say this. If it wouldn't uh, cheapen the brand, I would go for hockey podcast because the Devils, 6-3, and three, rolling right now. Got that Western Canada swing, though, coming up. Always a tough trip. Got the, the Canucks, then the Oilers, then the Flames. Not going to be – by the way, the Devils have a home-and-home with the Calgary Flames. That's got to be the, the, the biggest distance between two teams having a home-and-home home ever. We're going to play in Calgary and then go halfway across the world and play in Jersey. <laughs> Knock that series out real quick. Um, 
the, the Devils have been amazing. They've been a lot of fun to watch. After the first two games, when I was ready to fire everybody. Um, so good to go. You're very not- rational. Verderam, known for being rational, not overreactionary at all. No, no, no not I, him. I'm known for my level headedness. Like, see, the, the good thing is, like, with hockey, every sport other than football, football, even though God knows I also have my, my emotions in it, like, with football, I have to be somewhat, like, especially, like, if I'm actually doing my job and I'm, I'm reporting or I'm writing or I'm, I'm, like, I have to be rational. I have to be, like, at least, like, I have to be clear-minded when I'm writing or if I'm talking to somebody in the league, right? Because, like, that stuff all then plays into future stuff. I can be an asshole when I'm watching hockey. I don't have to care. I don't cover the league. It doesn't matter. I can, I can be the guy on Twitter who's like, fire everybody. I don't care that they're tied after the first period. Like, I can be that guy. And I like to be that guy occasionally. I can be that with the Knicks or with the Devils, certainly with the A's. Like, I can be that guy. I can't, even though I certainly have, like, strong opinions with the Chiefs, I can't be the guy who's just like, just get rid of every single guy in the team after, like, a quarter. Because then it's like I get a, I get an email or a text, it's probably a text, from, from somebody in the league saying, hey, 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 you know, my guy, you're, I rep that guy. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't do that. So it's a different world. Um, but it's uh, at any event. I, I, uh, I'm enjoying it. Also, Halloween was a win. Uh, Maisie went as a princess. My seven-month-old went as a pumpkin, which was hilarious. She was a trooper throughout the whole thing. Um, Maisie probably got a hundred pieces of candy and Maisie stepped up big and gave me, she's like, Hey dad, listen, you know what? I really, you know, I, you know, I want to make sure you get yours for Halloween. So boom. And she, gave, and she gave me a two pack. Those are gone already. Um, but I was like, no, honey, you don't have to do that. Like, that's really sweet. Of you. No, no, I really want to. Okay. So I, for one, decided to buy a, a shit ton of candy because I go, well, you know, my neighborhood looks like they'll have a lot of kids in it. It'll be fun. 11 kids. I have so many. Well, of course, I get candy that I know I'm going to like. So I have Twix, cool. Reese's. Uh, honestly, I didn't even bust open the Almond Joys because kids don't like Almond Joys, but I do. So I have a whole oh. pack of Almond Joys. That was in case I ran out. So much candy. The best, the best part of Halloween at this point in my life. Now, like, I'm not going to get into the best parts of Halloween when you're in college because that's that, that's a whole other kind of Halloween. All right. Yeah, we won't, we won't touch that one. Okay, I like my job. But Halloween in college should be a national holiday. Look, um, also, in a, in a related note, my children, they're not going to be in college at Halloween ever. All right? <laughs> ever. All right? I, so, I, I, there would be a police detail wherever they go to school following, following my two daughters. Um, but – I love Halloween, but my favorite part of it, other than now, like being a dad and watching the kids go, and that that's fun, right? Is you get all these candies, or you see, and now, you know, really, you see all these candies. You never see it any other point in time of the year. Like, I always wonder, like, 100 grand, right? I, I'm a big 100 grand guy. I like 100 grand. Where is that all year long? Like, you never see, like, does the company just go into hiding for 11 months out of the year? And then they're like, ah, Bring them back. You know, like, <laughs> I, I always wonder, you know, like I'm, I'm sitting there because, you know, maybe I also was giving out candy. And then, you know, so I got like, got me like a little hundred grand bar, right? Uh, I, had to, I had to sneak a few before I gave them away. A, a, a Mr. Good bar. 
What's Mr. It? A classic, you know, the old Crunch Bar. Oh, right? I, I love Crunch Bars, but what oh. happened to those? When I was a kid, that was you had the the little the big, big the big ones, yeah. yeah. Right, right. The the yeah, yeah. I never like for the life of me, you never see these candies, and then they just come out out of out of the woodwork for Halloween, and you're like, oh man, it's great candy. It's gone, gone again for another eleven and a half months, left in despair, but. It it just is funny. Like I always enjoy. But then you get these people who give out like those, like those dots, like those those chewing oh. things. Those people belong in prison. Yeah. Okay. Giving out dots. Give out chocolate for God's sake. At least, at least give me ra- I would prefer raisins over dots. Oh yeah. Dots are awful. A fucking are- apple. Give me floss. Give me be the be the old lady that gives me floss before I'll eat dots. You know. By the way, I'm not in the business of going after people who are the elderly. You're a real son of a bitch if you're giving kids floss on Halloween. <laughs> you know, honestly. Some of you are, like, you know, I, what is wrong with you? You know, it, it's the same. I had somebody give me a pencil once, and I, I, I just, like, threw it in their lawn. <laughs> I was like, I hope you run this over with your lawnmower, you, you SOB. Like, a pencil? I, I, The best part of Halloween is the diversity of candy that you don't see all the time. I mean, yes, the Reese's and the Twix and the Kit Kats, staples. Nobody's nobody's complaining about that. Don't get me wrong. But I love seeing the 100 grands and the, and the crunches. And all. It, it's beautiful. All right. Get the hell out of here. I'm just talking about this. I feel like diabetes is about to come on. So thank you so much for joining us today here on Stacking the Box. I cannot believe we're saying this. It is week nine. Week nine of the NFL season. We're about halfway home, and 29 teams are praying for the end of the season. Uh, for Sterling Holmes, I am Matt Vernon. I hope you had a very happy Halloween, and we will talk to you next week. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.